ask you a question as I do. If, if someone asks you what's the best conversion story in the Bible, uh, if someone asks you what's the best example of somebody um, becoming a Christian in, in the Bible, uh, who, who would you choose? Let me just uh, see some of you on the screen as well. I wonder who you would choose. It could have been um, Peter, Peter and Andrew, uh, the first disciples. Um, Paul on the road to Damascus. That's another Luke story. Could have been the, the Ethiopian eunuch. That's another Luke story, but that's in Acts. Uh, but interestingly, I want to suggest today that for his gospel, Luke chooses Zacchaeus. Jesus, Zacchaeus, it's, a, it's an account that's unique to Luke. He's found this story um, from somewhere. The other Gospels don't have it. Um, and it comes right at the, the end of Jesus traveling uh, in the Gospels. Uh, the next thing that happens pretty much uh, straight after is that Jesus goes into Jerusalem. This is the final um, conversion story in the book of Luke. And I want to suggest that uh, Luke uses it as, as a kind of um, a summing up story it's kind of like the, the the crowning conversion story the archetypal conversion story in luke's gospel and what makes it what makes it then this um so kind of archetypal it's a dramatic conversion story isn't it um where the conversion itself is hidden so let's have a little look at it and just remind ourselves of the story um jesus is is on his journey to jerusalem He's ultimately set his mind and set himself to go to the cross. He's passing through Jericho, um, but he wants to stay the night. And in Jericho, there is, is a tax collector called Zacchaeus. And his name, ironically, uh, means innocent or, or clean. Um, and we've seen before that uh, tax collectors were far from that. Um, they were collaborators and they were frauds. Um, they might even have been extorters. Zacchaeus. Uh, wants to see who Jesus is. That's what the, the text says. It says he wants to see who Jesus is. He wants to understand for himself the, uh, the identity of Jesus. And that's the key question, isn't it? Um, who is Jesus? Um, but a couple of things stand in his way. Obviously, his stature, uh, he's not tall, um, and, and the crowd. And as the video kind of showed really neatly, I think nobody's going to let him through to the front. Um, because of the nature of the guy he is. So he runs ahead and he climbs a tree. I guess if Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, he's got a good guess about where he's going. Um, he climbs a, what's called a sycamore fig tree. So it's kind of relatively um, short, thick trunk. And then the branches would go out. And there'd be a nice platform for him to stand or sit in. And he sits there and he waits for Jesus. Um, and he waits for this bird's eye view. When Jesus arrives, something um, unusual happens because Jesus looks up and calls him by name. Now, as far as we know, they've not met before. So I think this is probably a, 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 an occasion where Jesus uses his, his supernatural knowledge of, of what's going on. You know, you remember he saw the thoughts in the Pharisees' um, hearts and replied to them. Well, here he knows Zacchaeus' name and he calls him. And he tells Zacchaeus to come down quickly. Yeah, don't hang around because Jesus says that I need to stay at your home. He says, I must come and stay. The sense is it's necessary, Jesus says, uh, for me to come and, and stay. Necessary for what? I guess we'll find out in a minute. Zacchaeus does as he's told. He comes down quickly. Um, he welcomes Jesus. 
And I think at this point, though it's not said in the passage, and I guess there's some dispute, but I think at this point we can read into it um, that he takes Jesus home and he welcomes him um, gladly into uh, gladly into his home um, and he comes down um, rejoicing. And at this people, all the people uh, begin to mutter. And I think that's probably a measure of two things. I think it's a measure of Zacchaeus's notoriety. You know, they all hate him. Jesus has gone to the house of this guy. Really? There seems to be, um, it says all the crowd grumbled. There seems to be all, there seems to be nobody who, <laughs> nobody who puts the other side. There's not one person who thinks it was appropriate for Jesus to go into this guy's house. So they grumble and they turn their anchor on Jesus. And you would think that at least some people in Jerusalem would have learned uh, what Jesus is like and what his habits are by now. But maybe this is a measure that attitudes in, um, in and around Jerusalem, in Jericho rather, you know, are, are hardening to Jesus at this point in his ministry. So as we say, the next part probably takes place in, uh, in Zacchaeus' home and he makes an announcement. An announcement really in response to all this muttering that I guess he's heard as, uh, as he heads home. He may be a sinner, as the crowds have uh, said, but now he says he's going to give half his goods to the poor. That's astonishing, isn't it, for anybody to say that. I'll give away half of what I own to the poor. I guess he's a rich man and maybe he thinks he can live on the other half, but never, nevertheless, it's dramatic. And he says he will make restitution. In other words, who will pay back anybody he's defrauded. Now, I imagine this is going to be quite a long list. Normal restitution um, in Israel under the law of Moses was 20%. So the Lord said to Moses, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and, and so is unfaithful to the Lord is guilty. They must confess the sin. They must make full restitution for the wrong and they must add a fifth to the value of it and give it all to the person they've wronged. So you gave back uh, whatever you defrauded, whatever you'd stolen, and whatever you'd got under false pretenses from somebody else, and you added a fifth uh, and gave it back. Though there was a harsher penalty for kind of basic sheep rustling and, and castle rustling. So Exodus says, um, whoever steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep. Um, for the sheep. So interestingly, isn't it, Zacchaeus at this point puts himself at the level of a, of a castle rustler, puts himself, he understands himself to have been effectively a common thief um, and he is going to make restitution like a, a common thief. And Jesus responds with, with three things. First thing he says is today salvation has, has come to this house. Zacchaeus has been restored to a right relationship with God. Secondly, he says Zacchaeus is, is also a, a son of Abraham. This man, too, is, is a son of Abraham. Not in the sense that Paul will use later on that where um, all Christians become children of Abraham. But, but really, Jesus is just saying um, Zacchaeus's um, occupation um, has not ruled himself out of Israel and has not ruled himself out of the possibility uh, of coming and knowing Christ. His profession has not um, cut him off from the opportunity uh, of hearing the gospel. And Jesus also says, essentially, this, this is what I came to do. This is what I came to do. This kind of thing. I came to seek and to save 
the lost. I came to seek and to save the lost. And it's an interesting little story. And what's missing out of that story? I wonder whether you've had a thought of something which kind of bugs you about that story. There seems to be something missing, doesn't there? And it's this. We might want to ask the question, where is um, salvation by grace through faith? Um, in this story, where, where is the response of faith in this story? We can see the grace because it's shown in Jesus' sovereign work um, through Christ, you know, of call, calling sinners. So Jesus is out there and he's sovereignly looking for and, and calling people to himself. So we can, we can see the grace. And it's like the Luke 15 parables. It is God who's out looking. So it's like the shepherd looking for his lost sheep. He's like the woman looking for a lost coin, like the father looking um, for his lost son. We, we can see that. But where is the response of faith? Well, we know that, that Zacchaeus has responded. We know that Zacchaeus has believed Jesus' uh, account of who he is. We know that he believes that Jesus is is God incarnate. We know that Zacchaeus um, trusts the gospel, the good news that, that Christ has come to forgive sinners. And how do we know that? Even though uh, it's invisible to us, it, it's not recounting the story, we know it's happened, and we know it's happened because of the joy. We know it's happened because of the joy, he came down rejoicing. We know it because of the obedience, he does what Jesus asks him to do, and which is simply come down, the, the, come down from the tree and welcome him into his house. And we know because of the dramatic change of heart, this guy is radically changed. So I want to look at those three um, briefly and really look at, look at them from our point of view. So evidence of faith. What is the evidence that, that Zacchaeus has, has, has become a believer, has become a Christian? The first thing is joy. Salvation brings joy. It, it must do. Um, Paul says to the Thessalonians, he says this, we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he, God, has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So Paul says to the, uh, the Thessalonians, uh, we, we know that God's chosen you because we saw the deep conviction in your life and we, we saw, despite the suffering, we saw joy. That was the evidence that you'd become Christians. So salvation brings joy, it must do, because the gospel is good news. It's good news. That, that, you're, uh, that you're forgiven, that you're right with God through what Christ has done. And, and it must bring joy because that's what the Holy Spirit does. If we don't rejoice, then we fail to comprehend uh, what's happened. We're a bit like Simon the Pharisee who didn't really realise um, the kind of forgiveness that Jesus was offering while, while the woman who washed his feet with her tears did. Salvation brings, brings joy. That is the evidence. That should be the evidence of your faith in Christ. And I want to suggest that obedience, obedience to God without joy, is a substandard offering um, to the Lord. Think about it for a moment. If you're a parent, um, or if you're a grandparent, or if you're an employer, <clears throat> and you've told your child or your grandchild um, 
uh, or your employee that you wanted them to do something and they trudge and they grudge uh, and they complain. Is that pleasing to you? Is that pleasing to you? While it's better than nothing, they're doing what they've been asked to do. But does it really make your heart sing? Not massively. Obedience really should come with, with joy. A happy obedience. That's not to say that if you don't feel like obedience, you shouldn't act. Someone once said to me, uh, it's better to act your way into a feeling rather than to feel your way into an action. And it's not to say that sometimes uh, obedience won't be hard. Sometimes obedience will be will be hard and, and life will be hard precisely because you've obeyed the gospel. People will stand against you um, and the Lord will test your faith to make it stronger. But think about the New Testament. Some of these statements are radical. He, Hebrews 10, you suffered. Um, this is the, the writer says to the Hebrew uh, readers, you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. He says you could rejoice when things were taken off you because you knew um, you had something better. So rejoice when persecuted. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many time, many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith um, produces perseverance. So you can rejoice when being tested because it's, it's working in you to produce something good. And Galatians 5 said the fruit says the fruit of the spirit, Paul says, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. So what are the evidence? Oh, the evidence of conversion in Zacchaeus, the evidence of conversion in you and me should be joy. There's a song. Um, uh, put your hand up if you remember the song. There's, I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Just have a quick trawl through and see who remembers that. Oh, yeah. That's quite a lot of people. That's really good. Do you know what? It's still out there on the internet. You know, if you want to watch a video of it this afternoon, you can, you can, you can look it up uh, and, uh, and, and relive old times. But I remember someone saying that, um, you know, Christians say, I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart, but sometimes it requires the stinking of an oil well to find it. And I think that's true of uh, sometimes we say we've got that joy, 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 joy down in our heart. But sometimes it it seems like it never quite makes it to the surface. Where's your, where's your joy? Where's that evidence of, of faith um, bubbling over into joy? That's the first one. Second one, um, we know that salvation has, has come because Zacchaeus obeys. He does exactly what Jesus asks him to do. He comes quickly down from the tree. Uh, and the language in, in the original is, is such that it, it mirrors what he's asked to do. It's very clear. Comes down uh, and he welcomes Jesus in. He's asked to come down quickly, open his home. That's what he does. Comes down quickly and opens his home. Obedience to Jesus continues to be the mark of faith to show that something has happened in your life. So 1 John 2, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. John wants you to be assured that, you, that you've come to know Christ. And he says, well, that assurance comes because you do what he's asked you to do. Or as James will say, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without the deeds is dead. It's the deeds that demonstrate that, that there is faith. 
how has your behavior changed since you became a Christian? Are you quick to do the prompting of the Holy Spirit through God's word? And let me say this. Your, your behavior has to change to be more like Jesus. Think about, think about some of the things we've been asked to do. Um, we've been asked to welcome uh, strangers into our home or at least welcome into our home people um, who, who can't love us back or can't repay us rather in kind. Um, we've, been, we've been asked to um, take the gospel into the, into the margins. These are things which you probably would rather weren't there <coughs> and you haven't been asked to do. And yet Jesus says these are things you will do um, if, if you love him. And you should. But I, want, I don't want to drive you to guilt. I don't want you to go away thinking primarily I must do more. I want you to think this morning, um, I must know Jesus more. I want you to think, this is something that I must do. I'm not sure I really want to do it. Um, the motivation is missing. Therefore, somewhere along the line, I've, I've missed seeing Jesus really clearly because if I saw him clearly, I would love him dearly and I would want to follow him um, more nearly. So I'm not trying to create in you uh, a guilt because guilt is never a great motivation. Though, yes, you have to go and do something. But I want it to come uh, out, of a, out of a sight of the Lord Jesus that is life-changing. Now, a guy called Stephen Schwartz wrote the, wrote the musical Godspell, Godspell back in um, 1971. I don't think I can commend it to you wholeheartedly because it's a kind of hippie-ish view of Jesus, um, and particularly the film that was made of it in the early 70s. Um, and I don't know uh, what motivated him. He's, uh, he's clearly from a Jewish... Um, heritage um, but he clearly knows the gospel uh, and there's a song where, where one of the characters says to Jesus um, three things I pray to see thee more clearly love thee more dearly follow thee more nearly day by day it's a famous song day by day it's probably one of the most famous songs uh, and musical um, and it sounds trite but actually Stephen Schwartz has nailed it it's absolutely nailed it um, and this should be your prayer. And this would be, I would, I would just encourage you to go back to Christ. So I want to see you more clearly. Uh, and help me if when I read the Gospels, I glaze over a bit because I don't really like the radical nature of, uh, of what's proposed. Help me see you really clearly. And then when I see you clearly, help me to love you more dearly. And when I love you more dearly, I'll follow you more clear. I'll follow you more nearly. Um, and and um, and actually, uh, if if I see you clearly, if I love you more, then I will have the motivation to do these um, radical things, which put me otherwise in a place of uncomfortableness. So joy, obedience. Um, what's the other evidence of faith? Well, Zach takes, Zach, sorry, I couldn't be bothered. To, I, I, I ran out of patience typing Zacchaeus all the time and remembering what letter, what order the letters came in. Um, so I called him Zach on the PowerPoint. Um, I wonder what's the most uh, generous thing you ever did? What was, the, what was the biggest thing you ever gave away? What was the biggest gift you, you, you ever gave? 
Well, we know salvation has, has come uh, to the Zacchaeus' household because he takes a radically different view of his finances. He gives generously to the poor, and that's an understatement. He gives away um, half uh, of all he has, half his belongings. And he gives away this half of his belongings to somewhere where there is, to the poor, there's, there's going to be no, there's none of this is going to come back. Uh, nobody's it's not going to earn him a reputation it's uh, gives it to the poor out of compassion and i think he gives it out of a holy spirit given instinct that this is what god loves and this is what god will bless the only return he'll get out of this will be the return that god will bless him going forward and he will know uh, that god looks uh, on him with with, with approval and, and then he repents of his attitude and actions surrounding money uh, and he makes a practical restitution. <clears throat> so it's interesting, actually, that Zacchaeus comes in Luke's account just after the, uh, the response of the rich young ruler um, in, uh, in, in chapter 18. There's a guy uh, who Jesus tells him, you still like one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And the guy goes away, oh, he just can't do that can't take this radical view to his finances and jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of god it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of god and we nearly all of us are in that rich category simply because we live in this country but zacchaeus is a rich guy who gets through the eye of the needle gets into the kingdom of god um, because uh, the, because he's brought to faith uh, and the spirit has so changed him that he gives half of what he's got away. He's cut his ties with, with mammon. Mammon. Uh, Jesus says, Luke 16, if we, turn to, if we were to turn back just another um, couple of pages, says, no servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, and money, Jesus says. But actually, in the, in the original, he uses the word mammon. It's a, uh, it's a God's name. It's kind of money with a capital M. It's money as a, uh, as a God, uh, uh, as opposed to, to the Lord. Very easy for money with a small m, um, just something we use to become money with a capital M which is a God that challenges, um, challenges the place in our heart that the Lord should have. What's the problem here? Well, I think one of the problems is this. We've accepted a spiritual secular divide into our lives. So we think of our spiritual lives as midweek and Sunday. Uh, it's about our feelings. It's about the future. It's about salvation. It's about um, all those nebulous things. Um, and in that area, God has ownership and, and, and God is in control. We accept that. But when I think when our minds are quite often divided the rest of the week, Monday to Saturday, we think that uh, that's about work and play and, and money and mortgage and school and all those things. And we tend to think we have ownership. And therefore that we have control and, and that we have to provide. And we forget that salvation has physical material implications. Coming in Christians means one day you will live in the new heaven and the new earth that, that God has provided for you. There, there is a physical 
um, dimension to salvation. And because of that, I think it's it's right for Christians to be good to the physical material world in which we live and not use it wrongly. But often I think as a result of this, we don't expect God to work in the physical material world unless we're really, really desperate. So often we just don't expect that God will work in the physical material world. Oh, we think he's not bothered about it. He is bothered about it. Zacchaeus is not making a bad deal. He's he's um, he, he's giving away half of what he owns, but God will, God will bless him. God will make sure that his life goes okay. And I was just reflecting on retirement this week, and I wonder whether retirement kind of... Um, the way retirement is structured, which, of course, not known really in Jesus' day, um, kind of sets us up for a fall. I think the problem with retirement is we feel like we've got to build up a pot um, before we can retire securely. And so it makes us um, concentrate on, 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 on building up um, savings. And I wonder whether when we've arrived there that we somehow think, well, the rest of life is, is, is leisure. Um, and if you've built up a big enough pot, then... Um, then you're comfortable or the alternative you haven't built up a big enough pot and you and you're desperately afraid they wonder whether retirement kind of um the way it's structured um in in the west is is, gives us a problem and and makes it much more difficult to to take our eyes um off uh, off money but that's by the by so we suggest this is the, the, the crowning conversion story um, in, in Luke's gospel to sum up. Why is that? Well, it's the, it's the model account of Jesus, the, the model saviour. This is what Jesus came to do, sovereignly say, seek outcasts, sovereignly seek people who uh, the majority of society don't want to know. Are we doing the same? Or have we missed a trick? Are we calling people out of the margins? Are we reaching into the margins as that parable of the banquet is going to the highways and the hedges? And Zacchaeus is the model saint. He shows observable repentance of faith. Interesting that this story, um, that the faith is invisible and yet it's visible. Visible by the joy, it's visible by the quick obedience and it's visible by giving up money worship. I think we nearly simply need to say, can we say the same? Let's pray. Father God, these stories have challenged our hearts. And maybe what they show is that our vision of Jesus is too small. And we ask you by your spirit to open the eyes of our hearts to see Jesus, uh, the risen Jesus. Jesus who's control of all things, physical, material and spiritual. And we ask Lord if, if our own conversion has been tepid. Our own response to conversion has been lukewarm. We ask you to, to heat it up and to make it more radical. 
So we ask you to help us, Holy Spirit, see Jesus clearly. Help us uh, know in our hearts, by again, by, by your work, Holy Spirit, uh, the love of Jesus for us, now, how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ. We pray that will set us free to, to be more bold and more radical in, in our obedience, especially how we treat money. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.